So uh, today, we, last, the week before last, I taught you on faith, on faith. Faith is, is the doorway to the supernatural. Hebrews 11.6, we're in 1 Samuel 10. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith is the title deed to the supernatural presence of God. It's how we approach Him. It's how we please Him. We trust Him. Faith opens the door for God's supernatural to come in our natural. And we're learning the value of that. Today, and I'll not conclude this today, I want to begin talking about this next element of the supernatural, and that's what the Bible calls the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. What is the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Let me just give you a couple of things here uh, and, and make sure we have this. What is the anointing? The anointing of the Holy Spirit is the ability God gives every believer. Why? To accomplish the work of the ministry that He's called them to. Okay, let me say very simply. What is the anointing of the Holy Spirit? It is the ability that God gives. So it's not natural. It came from God. So what is it? Supernatural. It is the ability God gives every believer to accomplish the work of the ministry that He's called them to. So we begin to understand that God has given all of us ministry. God has saved all of us for a purpose. God has put all of us on this planet to serve Him. And one of the ways we serve God, it, it, well, there's two ways. We worship Him and we do His will. We know Him and we make Him known. See, through our particular gifts and callings, see, no matter how gifted and charismatic in the natural sense, no matter how gifted and talented and intelligent you, you may be, until God's anointing is on your natural, it's not supernatural. See, and so there are a lot of things natural ability has done in this world. There are a lot of good things that natural ability has done. There are a lot of bad things that natural ability has done. But to fulfill your specific purpose, destiny, and call that God gave you, it will never happen until He enables us with His anointing of the Holy Spirit. So I want us to, today I want to work on that. This is for everyone. It's for our function. It's our calling. See, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is God doing His work through humanity. I want to say that again. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is God doing His work through humanity. How many human beings are in the house today? Can I see your hand? I'm looking around. Looking. How many human beings? Let me see your hand. There are two robots. I'm still looking here in the room. All right. So it's God doing His work through humanity. So let's look at this. First Samuel chapter 10. Now, uh, just I, I, and I've really got to hurry. I, I really must keep pushing. This is, this is so much to break down, but we're, we're, we're getting there. We're, we're building line upon line, precept upon precept. I don't want to just preach sermons. I want to make disciples. How many want to be a disciple, not just a church attender? I'm trying to build the church. I'm building the church here. It's what I want to do. So I want to make sure we're laying the foundation, getting the walls straight and right and steady, see, because we're, we're planning on being here a while. Amen? See, we're not putting up a tent. I've been here 35 years. I'm not putting up a tent. I can do that overnight. We're building 
something that will be here till Jesus comes back. That will be here longer than me. Because I'm going to live to be an old man. But I'm not going to live forever. <laughs> Alright? So, so we're building something that's going to be great for God. So we have to work on this. So here's Saul. Saul, Old Testament Saul, was the first king of Israel. Now you must understand, he was never God's will. The people wanted a king. They said, we want to be like all these other nations. We, 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 we see they have a king. So those other nations had a monarchy. They had a human king that was ruling over them. And as Israel looked around, they said, well, we don't have a king. Everyone else has a king. Like I tell people a lot of times, you should be careful what you want. I, you've heard me say before, sometimes when you get what you want, you don't want what you've got. <laughs> Think about that next time you're on eHarmony. Or Christian Mingle. I'm telling you, sometimes... When you get what you want, you don't want what you got. That's just for free. So they say, we don't want to, we want a monarchy. The sad thing was, they had the only nation on earth that was a theocracy. Not a monarchy, but a theocracy. God was the head of that nation. No one else had that. God was the head of Israel. Their king was the king of the universe. Their potentate was the king of kings and lord of lords, a mighty God. But because what they couldn't touch him when they wanted to touch him or see him, because they, watch this, because they wanted a natural king, they traded the, nat- the supernatural for the natural. Wow. And so God gave them what they wanted, but it was not his best. So he has to find a natural man, see? But even though they traded theocracy for uh, uh, monarchy, even though they traded the supernatural for the natural, God knew that if this man was going to fulfill his purpose, he had to be anointed. So 1 Samuel 10, verse 1 Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? For sake of time, let's drop down to verse 6. He continues, he says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Now, why do you and I need to be anointed? Well, because when the anointing of the Holy Spirit rests upon our life, we will receive the power of God in our life, the ability to do more than we could do. Everybody with me? And he says, we'll prophesy when he's with the prophets there. He'll speak the Word of God. But he said, you'll be changed into a different person. Every one of us that love the Lord Jesus Christ need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because life is bigger than us without God. Because the devil, although he lost his authority, still has his power. And so we need to be empowered and we need to be changed into a different person. 
See, the great thing about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I want you to get this, is as the Spirit of God is working in our life, as we begin to get, become serious about being a disciple, about the supernatural being a lifestyle and not an event, then as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life, I want you to get this, it's not just the same old you and me with a little bit more of God on us. We begin to change. Understand me? That's the bottom line. We begin to change. We stop being who we were. How many would say, Pastor, I must stop being who I was before I met Jesus? Come on, tell the truth. Come on, how many have some junk and some stuff? And See... The goal of this thing is not saying, here's the difference. Before I was a Christian, I had all this baggage, and it was miserable. Now I'm a Christian, I've still got all my baggage, but Jesus is just in the mess with me now. That's all some people think being a Christian is. Baggage, baggage, baggage by myself, baggage with Jesus. What about getting rid of some of the baggage? What about the power of God changing me into another person? Okay. So, so he said, Saul, you need to be anointed. Now, verse 9, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. See, the anointing. We, we, we need to understand uh, what happens here. Now, let, let's, let's look at verse 22. Uh, I, let me just, give you, just throw some thoughts in here to, to prepare you for what we're doing. So, so Saul goes back home. God has anointed him. God has anointed him. God is changing his heart. But Saul's afraid. He's afraid. Everyone in this room has been afraid at times. You know what most of us are afraid of? We're afraid to trust God to be supernatural through us. Yeah, we're, we're afraid. And I'm saying, hey, come on, we're going to go knock on doors. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And everybody's going, ah, knock on the door. Knock. I'll, I'll pray at the Dream Center. I'm not going to go knock on the door. And I said, hey, you know, supernatural power of God's going to work in our life. We're going to lay hands on people. We're, we're going to cast out devils. Well, Pastor, you, well, you, you just do the praying and the casting. And we'll be, you know, we, we're afraid of, 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 you know, what if he doesn't show up? And what, come on, let's, let's see. We've got this treasure in earthen vessels. Just be real about it. So look what happens. So, so all this happens to Saul, but he gets back home. How many know homes are real proof. So they're getting ready to present him as the king. And we read verse 22. Uh, well, they're looking for him. But, uh, let, let me just, verse 21. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further, the Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the... Well, what do you know? He's hiding in the baggage. Called, anointed, but hiding in the baggage. Afraid, come on, to step into the purpose of God for his life. Afraid to step out of the baggage. You know what we want to do? Isn't it amazing? God will anoint, save us, call us, free us, anoint us. But then if we're not staying in touch with Him, we'll step right back in that old baggage of our life and hide. Come on. What, what, what do we hide the supernatural in? We hide the supernatural in. Well, you know, I've always been afraid to get in front of people. Come on, Moses. It's going to work. Huh? I, I get back in our baggage. We get in our baggage. Well, God can't use me because I've been rejected all my life. 
I, God can't use me because I've been this and I've been that. And, and, you know, you're going to be anointed, but you're going to have to make a decision. I must get out of that baggage and stop hiding in where I've been and step into who I am. See, the very thing that amazes me about the anointing of the Holy Spirit is that this Samuel that anointed Saul and this Samuel who anointed David in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel who succeeded Saul, who was a man after God's own heart, this very Samuel who anointed these men of God was not of the tribe of Levi. He had no, come on, watch this, natural right to be the priest of Israel. But because the priesthood under Eli, Hophni and Phinehas had failed God, God reached over out of the natural line of man and found a boy whose heart was right before God and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. And what he did not have in the natural, God gave him in the supernatural and he anointed the mightiest kings of Israel. You never know who God's going to choose. You never know who God is going to reach out of the natural and over all the guidelines of man and put His hand on someone and use them greatly. That's the excitement of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. See, see, Jesus, uh, born of the Virgin Mary, birthed in, in, in a uh, stable in Bethlehem, had predominantly 30 years on this earth, uh, God wrapped in our flesh that we don't know anything about. We get a little insight, you know, on the eighth day they took him to the temple. He was circumcised to keep the Jewish covenant. Uh, then we read when he was 12, he went with his family to Jerusalem uh, for a, a, a religious uh, gathering. And he didn't go back and they found him there. He was teaching the teachers and staying in the temple. But then that's it until he begins his ministry. But then we read in Matthew, we read in Luke that he comes to John the Baptist and says, I'm ready, baptize me in water. As he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Luke 4 says, immediately the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Satan attacked this anointing on his life. Uh, there were three temptations. He comes out of that in Luke 4, verse 14. Luke 4, 1 said he went in full of the Holy Spirit after the battles with the enemy. Luke 4, 14 says he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. When the devil fights, listen, I'm going to help you today. When the devil comes against you when you're anointed, you do not lose power, you gain power. That's the anointing. See, naturally when I fight, at the end of the fight, I'm tired. Right? Naturally, when I wrestle at the end of the wrestling, even if I win, I'm tired. But in the supernatural, when the devil attacks you, your family, your home, your ministry, the anointing of the Holy Spirit doesn't decrease with the battle. It increases. He went into the battle full. He came out of the battle in the power of the Holy Spirit. He walked straight back to Nazareth, the place he grew up, in the synagogue where he had been every Sabbath his whole life. And for the first time, he unrolls the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He goes through it until he finds the, the prophecy and he looks at those who knew him. Why? Now, for the first time, he had been anointed of the Holy Spirit. He reads a prophecy and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. He never said it before that day because He had never been anointed before that day. Not like that. God was with him. He, he, but now, He had been anointed to do what God called him to do. 
do we see what, what we're doing here? You see this anointing that God is working in our life. So I, I want you to just to, to give you a, a better, another picture of this. Let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 30. Let me show you what this looks like physically. And, and we understand this is just a picture of what's happening in the full measure in the New Testament. Exodus chapter 30. So to be anointed means what? That God enables us by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit to do what? To fulfill our purpose. The anointing is the ability God gives the believer to accomplish the work of the ministry that He's called him to. The, the what? The ability that God gives the believer through the Holy Spirit to fulfill, to accomplish, to complete the work of the ministry that God has called them to. It is the, the God working through our humanity. How exciting is it to know God will work in our humanity? Come on. You know, we're, we're going to have this humanity, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit does this. It, it literally consecrates you, sets you aside. You, you, you're not who you were. You're changed. You, you're still going to have to step out of some baggage and, and trust God, but you're not who you were. It changes. Now, we're just going to get into this for a moment, but let, let me show you in Exodus 30, verse 22, we, we have the formula for the anointing oil for the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, we, we, we pray for people because James 5 says that, that we anoint them with oil, but the oil only represents the Holy Spirit. Listen, there's no magic oil in any church anywhere on the planet. You understand that? There, there, there's no magic oil. There's no magic in the church. There's supernatural power of God. There's no good luck charms. There, there's, there's, there's none of that kind of thing. That's natural. That's, it could be demonic supernatural, but it's not God. So, so we do what the Word tells us to out of obedience. It's not the only way to pray for sick people, but out of obedience, the Bible says you call the elders, they anoint with oil, and, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is on the elder, the pastor, those leading. And, and God does that. But then the Bible says that anyone can pray for that, that. That healing is God's provision. By the stripes of Jesus we're healed. By the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God's power flows through any Christian, any place, any time. And so uh, this oil of anointing in the, in the Old Testament is just a picture helping us understand what happens to us and how the anointing works in the New Testament. The word anoint literally means to smear or rub. It means to smear or rub. It's not just, it's not just pouring, but it's rubbing. It's putting in. The, the same words used uh, in, in these days when not everyone had metal for a shield in ancient warfare, and many of their shields were made out of leather. And what they would do before they would go into battle, they would anoint their shield. Same word. They would take oil and pour on their shield the leather, make sure it was soft and pliable, not dry, so flaming arrows would fall off and not light it, so things wouldn't stick. So, so they would, see, it, it means to rub or anoint. It, it could be used to say pour. They poured on the head of a king like Samuel did to Saul and to David. But it's when something's applied to you. In the Old Testament, it was physical. In the New Testament, it is the literal Spirit of Almighty God. And so we find here in Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 
Now, I'm not going to read all those, but they, they had these spices. They would combine. I'm going to teach you something else about that later. And, and they would combine them with oil. That's, that's very important, verses 22 through 24, but not for right now. That may be some Wednesday wisdom, okay? I'm going to be like Paul Harvey, make you want the rest of the story. Verse 25, so he said, Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. Then watch this in verse 26. He says, Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all of its articles. In other words, what happens through verse 26 through 28, he says every single article in that tabernacle is to be anointed with oil. Every single thing the priest touched was anointed in the worship of God before it could be used. Then we go to verse 29. He says, you shall consecrate them. See, an anointed person is not just anybody. God sets you aside for himself. You become the prize and the joy of the Lord. You shall consecrate them. So they will be most holy. And whatever touches them will be holy. Then he says, anoint Aaron and his sons. So everything in the tabernacle was anointed. The Aaron and his sons, the priesthood was anointed. Their clothes were anointed. Everything that worshipped God, would serve God, was anointed. Verse 31, say to the Israelites, this is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not pour it on men's bodies. So, so you couldn't pour it on anyone. It, it's, it, the anointing's not for everyone. Uh, the anointing is not going to be there unless you first come and been consecrated to God. And then he says, don't make any counterfeit. So you know what we're saying here? There is no ministry without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We can have church services and go through the motions and have religion and ritual. But if the power of God has not been put on us, there's nothing we do that matters. Nothing. Nothing. We, we, we understand here that he says that it's put on every article. You know what that means? And the Bible says in the New Testament, you and I are kings and priests unto God. Do you know who's supposed to be anointed? Everyone who calls Jesus Savior and Lord. So, so, and so, so just like the priests, everything they used to worship God had been anointed. You know what that means? There's nothing in your life that's not anointed. There's nothing that I touch that I shouldn't use for the glory of God. In other words, I, 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 if, if it's in my life, it's important. It belongs to God. And so I start looking. If, if I can't use it to honor Him, I don't need to touch it. If it's not going to bring Him glory, I don't need it. It's not part of my... Does that mean that, that i got to walk around praying in tongues 24 hours a day? No. Go to work. Do your job. Go play golf. Go fish. Have a good time. But don't do Miller time while you're fishing. Don't look at me like that. Can, can, can I have a hobby? Sure, have a Holy Ghost hobby. We have, we have life groups built around hobbies. You like to play golf? Play golf. Get your buddies around and say, man, thank God for this beautiful day. Thank God for my health. Let's praise God today. Let's just enjoy our golf and, and, and let's go have a good time. See? It, you're anointed. And if you touch it, it, it's anointed. It's part of your life. And so he says, we, we don't share. There's no, there's no substitute. For this, you, you, we, we don't want to counterfeit. If, if it's not been offered and dedicated and set apart for the Lord, then it's not going to make a difference. Here's what I want us to see. I want us to look at something together here today. That is, we begin to understand that we're the New Testament priesthood. That all of us come in the presence of God. That, that everyone has access to God. 
You don't have to come to Calvary to get a prayer answered. You come here to be made a disciple. Huh? You come here to get the vision of the house. You come here to get in there together. Now, see, so, so I want you to see this. This is powerful. There, when I talk about I love Sundays and, and, and what we, we looked at before, I taught you this, but I want you to see it in this setting. See, there's a personal anointing. Every one of us can have God's anointing on our life. And we have to begin to learn what that means and grow in that and become aware of that. See, I believe there are people that God wants to use and they never thought about He wanted to use them. See, when I first got saved, I had never once in my life asked God what He wanted me to do until I became a Christian. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to ask that question is called to do what I do. We're called to do many different things. But I'd never, it dawned on me one day after I became a Christian, I've never asked God what He wanted me to do. But I realized that was the Holy Spirit working in my life. So I said, God, I, this is what I was going to do. What do you want me to do? And God began to deal with me. Because what I'd gone to college to, college to do, what I was working to do, what, what I wanted to do, I, I lost my passion for that. I was motivated. I, I was on a scholarship. I was, doing, I was motivated to do this. And, and, and when I fell in love with Jesus and met Him powerfully, was filled with the Holy Spirit, that, that thing that I used to want to do, I was kind of like, I lost my passion for it. And it began to dawn on me, so if, I don't want, if I'm not supposed to do this, what am I supposed to do? And I began to understand that and ask that and grow on that. It didn't happen just like that for me. I, I didn't understand the anointing just like that. I fell into it several times. I had no idea. I didn't feel anointed. I didn't know I was anointed. I didn't know God was guiding me. But I walked into a situation. There was nobody there but me. Somebody had to pray. I was like, my God, it's me. Come on, you ever been there? I mean, it was me or leave. I said, I mean, it's just me. I didn't think it, say it, plan it, realize it. I was scared. I was over in the baggage. Huh? Like Saul. Where is he? I think he's over there. Well, get out of there. Get over here. Okay. You ever pray for somebody with your knees knocking? Jesus. Yeah, of course. But all that's natural. See, his supernatural is bigger than my natural. His power is greater than our fear and our intimidation. So we all have a personal anointing and it grows as we obey God. You know where Jesus was, where the anointing of the Holy Spirit came on him? Where had he been? He'd just come out from being, what, baptized in water in the River Jordan. You know what the River Jordan represents? Death to self. Do you know where you're going to be anointed? Where you surrender. You're going to be anointed where you surrender. God can't anoint unsurrendered stuff. So as I surrender, the anointing comes on my life. And I walk in that and I grow in that. But there's a personal anointing. But listen to this. There's a corporate anointing God gives. And when a family of believers begins to understand the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the presence of God and begins to have a corporate anointing, listen to me, the corporate anointing, anointing is a thousand times greater than an individual anointing. I'm serious about that, that ratio. So when God begins to get His people together and our faith begins to grow, and our understanding begins to grow. And we're learning what the Word says. And the Word has been built in our faith. And we've been walking in obedience and surrender and growing. Then when we get together, it's like the level of anointing begins to rise and rise. you understand that? And, and, and there's nothing impossible. And maybe where you're struggling today, somebody's there and you're weak, they're strong. And we put these 
private anointings or personal anointings together and we begin to walk in a corporate anointing. That's why there are churches. That's why we have Sundays. That's why we get together and what happens, you got to get this, it doesn't remain in the building. The corporate anointing begins to overflow in the region in which we live and we begin to see the atmosphere change. I tell you what I'm believing, God wants us to believe. As you read the book of Acts, cities began to be changed by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think the ladies gave those awards to those ladies Friday? They deserved it, but it was also an opportunity to influence the women who lead business in North Alabama for them to come into the presence of God and be encouraged and blessed and experience the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we ought to drive up on the parking lot And we're worshiping and we know who we are. We're moving in the anointing and things begin to happen. Oh, just drive up. People, I'm telling you, should be weeping when they drive up on that parking lot. Unsaved people ought to turn in here and say, my goodness, what is this? I don't know, but it must be God. The corporate anointing. That's not pie in the sky. I'm not talking crazy talk right now. That's the church. That's the church. Won't you stand with me? Come on, let's stand together. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. God, bring us an anointing, God. Help us to understand the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There, I think there's some Samuels in this room right now. You, you, you don't have any natural pedigree, but you've got a supernatural pedigree. Come on, you, you, you may have been rejected and neglected and overlooked by everybody in your family. It doesn't matter when God lays His hand on you. When God lays His hand on you. When God says, I'm going to set her aside. I'm going to set him aside. And the good news is, that you got to get it. This is not just for a few. This is your birthright as a believer. To walk in this. To walk in this. Not out of arrogance, but out of humility. Humility. I tell you, the most dangerous things people do are abuse the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Use it for their own self-aggrandizement or profit. It's for God. For God. It's to serve. You know what the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is to serve. It's to serve. Read, read what Jesus said. I didn't go through that list when he said, when he went back to the synagogue after being anointed, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And then he says, this is what he's anointed me to do, to bring sight to the blind, freedom for the captive, healing, freedom. All these things. It's all about other people. The anointing's all to serve. The anointing's to serve. We have to come to this. Guys, let, 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 we're going to pray. And, and, and I want to share this with you first. We're kind of having a family meeting here today. We, we've been praying, 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 praying. You know, we May last month was a year. Can you believe a year since we shifted our services here? It's amazing. And I think it's very important in a family, in a marriage, in any relationship, in a business, in a church... To evaluate and look at what you're doing. How's it working? How's it going? How, how, how are things moving along? And I'm going to ask, a, I'm, today I'm, I'm, I want you to give some time to process it, but I've got to ask you to trust me and buy in with me on something, all right? As I, as I look at what we're doing in our, our service format right now, I'm going to ask this service and next service, I, I want to tell you why. I think we've we, we got to find a place to meet together. I'm, this three services every Sunday is hard on our teams. 
You understand? Look around. we got some chairs still in this room, don't we? Okay. Our usher team, man, three services. My children's team, the worship team. They're here, they're here six hours every Sunday. That's a lot to ask of volunteers and ushers and children's team. And, and so w- what I really believe, I'm looking at, God, how do we, how do we use resources wisest? How do we give opportunities for the Holy Spirit to work and move and flow in us? You got what I'm saying? And, and so I really believe, not to, not to what I'm going to have to do, we're, we're going to have to buy some more chairs. We're going to do that. And we're going to ship some people from the middle service to the third service. But beginning the 17th of, of uh, July, so I want to give you plenty of heads up. I hope you'll be encouraging about this and help me. I really believe we need to move the 8 o'clock service to 9, just an hour. And we're going to drop the 9.30 back to 9. So we're just going to do 9 and 11. And I, and, and I believe those two things are going to be a help, a big help. Thank you. You've been so faithful to helping this. But, you know, you say, well, Pastor, why are we doing that? Well, we're just learning. I mean, we, you know, we never tried three. It's been good. It's been awesome. God's done great things. And can I tell you something for you guys at 8 o'clock? Now, you, you, some of you are going to be like Mary and others are going to run out that door and brag like a whatever. But it's my responsibility as pastor. One of the titles I'm given is overseer to look at everything and see how, what's, what's best for everyone. You got me? And let me tell you something about you guys. Your giving in this service is the highest per capita of any of the three. You understand? That means the, your, the amount given in this service. See, I get a report on 8 o'clock, 9.30 and 11.15. In the 8 o'clock service, what's given here based on the number of people that are in this, your giving is the highest per capita. Thank you. You know what that tells me? Your core. You're solid. I don't want to, and you you got to be careful if you mess with the core. <laughs> you understand? My dad's a builder, and the first thing you do before you remodel a house, before you tear something down, you find out first what you can't move, or the roof will hit you on the head. You don't just knock every wall down. Some of them are weight bearing. These are weight. You're weight bearing people in here. I recognize you. I understand that. I know the condition of my flock. You you with me? I honor you. I respect you. And so I'm asking you to help me make this transition. I know that 8 o'clock is nice and you're out. Listen, if it was me, this is the one I'd come to. You understand? I'd be here. I'd have my family up. I'm a, I'm a morning person. I've drove my wife and daughters crazy through the years. They're coming to breakfast. I'm singing. When my feet hit the floor, I'm 2,000% awake. I can't help it. I'm loud. I'm making noise. I'm singing. You know, and the girls are eating their cereal like, Dad, stop, Dad. Dad, I'm like, come on, let's dad. Come on, let's go, girls. This morning, like, dad, dad, you know. So, this would be mine. I, I, this is my tribe. But with you guys, July 17th, uh, we're going to put on all the stuff we hand out during serve the city week. It'll have those new times. That's why we're coordinating that. We're printing a lot of material. We're investing in that, and so it's just an hour. So the eight and the nine thirty, we're going to meet here. And I'm already working. I've got to have about 100 people shipped out of that 930 to the 11 and put some more chairs in because when this and the 930, that 930, there's no, there's no room in there. So I've got to work on them to shift some that way. If you'll shift with me there, we'll be good. 
then I believe it's going to be a best use of our resources, of our church family, of our time. Say, Pastor, what happens if we fill those two up? Well, we'll, we'll start another one. And we'll figure out exactly where we want to do that one. But I believe this is our best next step. So, so th- and, and you know what it does for us? Let me tell you what it's going to give you. It gives you about 15 more minutes in that 9 o'clock service where I could have given you the rest of the message today too. Okay, so it's going to, it's going to give you about 15 more minutes on that side of things. All right. How many with me are just thankful that God would anoint people like us? Have you ever, do you realize that? Man, I'm thankful that God would send His Son and die in our place. Forgiveness alone would be enough, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be, that's, that's beyond my comprehension. That someone would send their Son to die in my place. But then, not only does He forgive us, but He comes and lives in us. And not only does He live in us, then, like only the prophet or the priest in the Old Testament, God anoints us, gives us His ability to fulfill the purpose that He put us on this earth to do. Come on, let's receive that today. Father, we lift our hands to You today and we're overwhelmed with gratitude. Overwhelmed with gratitude. We're humbled beyond our words. How could we say thank you enough? How could we ever say thank you? That you would save us. That you not only would forgive us and save us, but put our name in heaven and give us eternity to live in. But God, you would live in us. And you would anoint us. And God, we have a purpose in this life. That if everyone else would reject us, if no one would recognize us, you see us, you know us, that you find the Samuels and the Davids and the Esthers and those that have no lineage or natural right of ascent. But when the hand of God is on us and we're anointed, we have your divine ability to do what we never dreamed we could do. And our lives become important and valuable and no one may ever know what we do but you will and lives are changed and the corporate anointing begins to shift the atmosphere in a region and our church begins to be a mighty mighty warfare for God a place of worship and prayer and healing and deliverance and hope and life and Lord it's on Sunday and it goes with us on Monday and Tuesday and we serve the city and build dream centers and recovery ministries and families are changed you make disciples out of us you change our hearts and anoint us with your spirit oh God thank you Thank you, Lord. We stand like Jesus in that Jordan today, the place of surrender, and say, Oh, God, more of you and less of us. More of you and less of us. What a privilege and an honor. We love you. We bless you. We give you all the praise. Now use us for your glory this week, oh, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. What a mighty God we serve. God bless you, bless you, bless you.